Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we celebrate 20 years of The Matrix. Just how many seasons will it be for Law & Order SVU and does the kung fu genre need its own kick to the gut? <laughs> April Fools here as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. How's that? We're gonna have you do that more often, man. That sounded awesome. There you go. And we are back once again. It's the pop culture cosmos. Uh, I swear we gotta have you do that opening more often. It is Gerald Glassford as best I can be anyways, right here from the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own Kung Fu Sensei Master of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is josh peterson i think i was just yelling out there too much as a coach of my soccer team on the weekend because it looks like i'm a little bit hoarse for today's show and how do your kids feel were you yelling at them because i've seen a lot of that are we talking kicking and screaming with will ferrell or no i'm 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 not tom Izzo of michigan state that yells my at my at their players you know right in their face i'm more of the Get back on D, hustle up the field, hustle up the field, good hustle. Because I'm more of the supportive type, great hustle, good job, good defense, go Warriors, go. That's the name of our team, you know, that type of deal. I'm more supportive like that. If I wanted to go ahead and go in somebody's face and, and scream at them, you know, it's not worth it, man. This is kid soccer. Too many of these little league moms and dads, they take this way too seriously. Oh, yeah, they do. That, that's their life, though. I mean, that's their, they're trying to live vicariously through their kids. I saw that when I was I got hired to go uh, live from a basketball game. Saw the the coach out there just screaming in the face of his players, and they're just high school kids, man. Just you know, leave them alone, let them, let them play, let them have a good time. I don't want to go ahead and yell at these kids. I'm going to yell to these kids as far as their encouragement. And obviously, in the big fields, your your voice does not project unless you really yell. And looks like I'm paying the price on today's show. But as someone who has seen one of those little league dads coach a team and get to the point where he was screaming at the other side of the field to the other team to the point where the coaches from the other team wanted to start a brawl in the middle of the field with that coach and i had to be the only person in the way trying to hold off both sides from going into a full-out brawl and going get arrested believe me i've seen it done to way too much and and i'm telling you these kids just got to see some positive influences and that's all i try to do is reinforce it even though I pay the price come Sunday when we record the show. But it is going to be a great episode we have for you today. Despite my vocal cord issues, 
we've got Jessica Box from the TV Ratings Guide.com. She's going to be stopping by for her monthly TV update. She's going to be talking about all the things going on for ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and cable. She's got a lot to talk about there, about some shows being renewed, some shows ending, and actually one of the shows that's reaching a nice landmark record coming up as well. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on in the show. Plus, we'll also, at the back end of the show, be talking about 20 years of The Matrix. That's right. You are old because The Matrix is now 20 years old. And I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about all the great things when it comes to The Matrix, some of the good, some of the bad, but also what kind of mark it has left us in pop culture. My friend, got to talk about something now that that you and I have actually wanted to go back and forth. And actually, you put this idea in my head when it comes to Kung Fu talk right now, because you and I have such an affinity for the Kung Fu genre and the movies that are so near and dear to us. I wanted to ask you, and this comes off the heels of, uh, of the movie that just came out, Triple Threat. And that movie... I don't know. I guess it's not performed to the extent that I think a lot of people were hoping for because it was supposed to be this all-star matchup with Tony Shaw, Aiko Uai, Taiga Huchan, Michael Jai White, Scott Atkins, you know, all these superstars that have been involved with so many different projects before and does not look like it's scoring as well as a lot of people thought or hoped, which is kind of disappointing. So I ask you, my friend, they're all on the I don't want to say they're all old, but they're it's they're getting they're not getting any younger. And I don't see a lot of young, talented individuals coming up in the ranks that are being promoted that could be that next Bruce Lee, that could be that next Jet Lee. I ask you, my friend, and I want to ask you seriously, do you think the Kung Fu genre needs a new some new blood, some fresh life to bring out possibly a new different charismatic uh, individual star that could break out the Kung Fu genre even more like, like Jackie Chan. I mean, there's, there's really nothing to replace these guys once they go out and finally retire for good. No, I just think it's the Kung Fu genre in America does not, I don't think it needs new talent as much as it needs something or somebody to come along and make a Kung Fu film or a film that incorporates Kung Fu in some way and make the genre seem fresh because we don't have a lot of that here. What we get is, you know, we have It Man. That's one of the more well-known Kung Fu movies here. And obviously, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But that's another whole other thing. And actually, Rumble in the Bronx. Remember, that came out. That really, you know, for all of uh, all of Jackie Chan's movies, it wasn't until Drunken Master, Police Story. It wasn't until Rumble in the Bronx was actually shown here in mass in many theaters and actually promoted and advertised here in the States. It wasn't until that movie came out that got Jackie Chan into the hearts and minds of people before he did Rush Hour, anything of that nature. That's the movie that really kicked things off for, for him. I don't see much of that anymore. The last movie I saw that really had a transfer over, you're talking about it, man. I would be talking The Raid Redemption. Because that that got Ico into uh, good graces with J.J. Abrams, and that's how he and you know the guy that was opposing him, how they both got in the middle of Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So that's very true. And okay, well, look at Star, Star not Star Wars: The Force Awakens, but Star Wars: Rogue One. Right? We had Donnie Yen's in that movie. Why was he in that movie? You know, the the only time we get kung fu, it seems like, in a 
more produced way is if it's incorporated into some other existing big budget American film. Now, Donnie Yen is a superstar and he's really good at what he does. But do you think that was obviously done for financial reasons to promote it to a different market? Oh, oh, for sure. Definitely. Absolutely. You brought up Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, perfect example of this. There is not really a kung fu market in America. Jackie Chan is still doing movies, but he's doing them back in China. He's doing Chinese films again. So that's why he's still in films, but you're not seeing him in the American market anymore. Not since the, what was the... Um, Forgotten Kingdom was his last one? or, or... No, what was that one where he's in Ireland? You know, and his, he's the, the father and the... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And actually with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, I remember yes. That. Yeah, that's the one. That's the last movie he'd been in here. He He's back. He's still doing films, but he's doing them overseas again. So we need to incentivize people to make these movies again. And I get it. We have the whole culturally insensitive thing. So we need to incentivize Chinese filmmakers to make kung fu movies that can succeed in the American market. And it, I, don't, I don't even know how you would do that. I don't know how that process would be done, but I would love to see another movie like Crouching Tiger win the hearts of the American filmgoers again. And then we can talk about bringing new talent into the frame. One of the things I was thinking about when it comes to new talent into the frame was, you know, remember the teaser trailer for Once Upon Hollywood? Yes. I mean, the actor that played Bruce Lee in, the, in that little teaser short, he sounds very legit very close to what Bruce Lee sounds like and could be the best Bruce Lee, I don't want to say impersonator, but the best Bruce Lee actor that's ever been, because Bruce Lee's already been done several times and it's going to be, I think there's also a series on the way that based off of Bruce Lee's writings as well. And I think of the individuals that ever have portrayed Bruce Lee, this could be one of the best and maybe it will lead to something more where this actor who did such a good job in the trailer that I've seen so far and hopefully will do a good job in the film. Maybe that can be the, something that will transport his skills and make it plausible once again for the Kung Fu genre to be a part of the movie going experience here in America once again. Right. I, I agree with you. Maybe that could open a door for, for him to be in something like that. But also look like we have in America, we have this huge market for mixed martial arts, right? We have, UFC, we have all these newer Walmart-ish UFC brands popping up all over the country. Like you could train people like that to act and be in movies, and like they're it clearly because of all the people who love Conor McGregor and all these you know mixed martial arts UFC fighters because of the enthusiasm they have for that. I guarantee you there is a dormant need or desire to have some sort of movie in the kung fu genre that would be successful here. By the way, the actor's name is Mike Mall. That's Mike Maul. He was actually a great part of that trailer. And if you want to check it out, it's Once Upon Hollywood. That is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film that's going to come out later this year. But the trailer actually, yeah, he's he's playing a great deal in, it, in that trailer. And it looks like it's something that could be a great portrayal. And if Hollywood, pardon the pun, takes notice, Mike Maul could be a bigger part of that equation when it comes to what you're talking about as far as trying to once again reinvigorate the kung fu genre here in north america possibly even europe as well because right now kung fu movies only seem to really hit in the asian market which it always will go ahead and be a great part of but it seems very fluctual it seems very touch and go when it comes to any other market 
And you're right, there is a dormant marketplace when it comes to what we think could work here with movie going audiences. And yes, UFC has been talked about going public and it could be several, several billions, upwards of six, seven, eight billion, ten billion dollars worth for that company because they're doing so well in the mixed martial genre with jujitsu, taekwondo, any of those those type of martial arts influences. And you have all that and people are going crazy for MMA. This could be a great time to reinvigorate Hollywood with a nice Kung Fu action movie once again. I was hoping Triple Threat would be it, but it doesn't look like it's going to translate well to a worldwide audience. Well, and even if they were were to have marketed movies like, you know, I keep saying It Man, but Donnie Yen's got a whole like repertoire of films. Legend of the Fist, there's Kung Fu Killer, a lot of really good ones out there. Tony Jaa, another one, Ong Bak, The Protector. The Protector, actually, when that came out, that did okay here. You know, it didn't do... People went to go see it, releasing American cinema. People went to go see it, and it got pretty good reviews. So if they were to put, uh, you know, do a better job of marketing those films here, I think that it would do, it would be a good start, you know, a very good start for kind of rebuilding that genre in the American market and maybe making it as popular as it was in the 80s. But again, you know, I know we're living in that time of cultural insensitivity. It's got to be a way to go about it that's, acceptable to people and also is a recipe for a good film but with the movies that are out there what we see with superhero movies and action and love story movies and all that it would be awesome if the kung fu genre can find its own niche once again in something outside of the asian market and can be something that a lot of people worldwide can once again embrace because we'd love to see kung fu movies rise to the top once again in hollywood What are your thoughts out there on the Kung Fu genre? Do you think there should be some new life into the Kung Fu genre and bring out some new Kung Fu stars out there that'll shake things up and actually bring some fans in to watch Kung Fu movies once again, like Josh and I have over the years with the times that we've seen great Kung Fu movies of the past? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, it's our good friend, Jessica Box from the TV Ratings Guide. She's coming up right after the break to talk all the great things going on in the world of television. What's going to stay on the air and what's going to get canceled? She's going to give you her thoughts on some shows, both good and bad, coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the show. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford. Thank you so much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. She is back once again. It's no April Fool's. It is our good friend, she is the outstanding writer from the tvratingsguide.com. 
you got to check out everything that's going on today at the tvraidsguide.com with all their original programming, all their great reviews, the renewed cancel index, and their great original scripts. You got to check out. It is my good friend. It is Jessica Boggs. Jessica, always great to have you on the show. I'm actually here. So no yes. April Fools. No, no April Fools indeed. But I know you wanted to first focus on some things when it comes to ABC. I know there's a couple new shows that have come out, uh, not to the greatest of reception when it concerns The Fix and Whiskey Cavalier. Well, yeah, like we've seen The Fix premiere to a 0.7 and then go down to like a 0.6 in week two. And Whiskey Cavalier has been steady in the fractionals. I don't expect neither one to return at the moment. Which is a shame, especially for Whiskey Cavalier, because Laurie Cohen, she had every desire to go ahead and break out as a star, like so many other of her cohorts that have actually gone on to some other great things. And then also as well, some others like Denai Garura, who are leaving the show to go on to bigger and better things. Her success story has not been there her first movie that she did with Mark Wahlberg was not a success. And it looks like so far right now, her decision to go to ABC and Whiskey Cavalier and leave The Walking Dead was not a very good one at this point in time. I would agree so, because it takes a long time to be an overnight success story outside of the show that you're known for. That's right. That's right. And it looks like she is going to have to reevaluate exactly what she wants to do because the Fix and Whiskey Cavalier are not hitting anywhere near. What do you think it is with the Fix and Whiskey Cavalier that's just not connecting with audiences? Just really not to the extent I think what ABC was hoping for. I think for the most part, it has everything to do with the time slot that they're in. They're both airing at 10 p.m., which so far the success story, like, in the recent 10 p.m. slot is The Good Doctor, and neither one of them are hitting at the 10 p.m. slot. Absolutely, and that uh, 10 p.m. slot to debut is kind of a, uh, a really hard mountain to climb because you have those situations where you're introducing it into a smaller audience in the first place, and it's just really hard to go ahead and, and have yourself stand out in a 10 o'clock show without maybe debuting and having a couple episodes maybe airing at an earlier point in time to get fans interested into your type of series or shows or what have you. I know CBS, this is the time of year for them with March Madness and the NCAA tournament that they're supposed to really do big numbers and really you know have it as a time to promote everything that good about their products, plus also TBS and TNT as well for that matter. But unfortunately at this point in time, March Madness really hasn't been that much madness uh, unless you're talking about what happened this weekend with Virginia with the last minute immaculate shot, so to speak. But outside of that, there really hasn't been that many competitive or really exciting games as much as previous years. And I think that's reflected in the ratings so far because this has not been too much of a madness for CBS, TNT, and TBS as of this point in time. Outside of a few upset games, there has been very little exciting games. But how is it so far translating ratings? Because I, I remember coming across the fact that they are down considerably over what they usually do at this point in time. They are. And I think also it has everything to do with 
a basic fatigue of your usuals versus the Cinderella stories. Because people usually like watching those Cinderella stories, but when the, the tournaments go quote unquote chalk, meaning more favorites win than anything, then it has a tendency to not create that kind of excitement. Jessica, did you, did you hear that sound? Did you hear that sound in the distance? That was my bracket blowing up. I just want to let you know that was that was just in the distance there. That was you know, that explosion you heard was my bracket blowing up when North Carolina lost the other day. But need I digress on that? So better luck next year for me, and better luck next year for them. And hopefully CBS can go ahead and you know have better luck next year with its tournament. They're still going to get high ratings for next week's Final Four and also the national championship game. Whether or not it's going to translate into as much of a success there, we'll have to wait and see. But so far, March Madness has not proven out to be as maddening, I think, as CBS has hoped. But the biggest ratings, it seems like, is with Duke. It's drawing a huge amount of eyeballs. But Duke, unfortunately for fans and also for CBS, got bounced from the tournament. And with no marquee names right now in the final four, it's anyone's guess how much madness is left for CBS. But there is a lot going on when it comes to NBC. Some of it good and some of it historic. So fill me in on what's going on with NBC, including everything going on with Law & Order SVU. SVU has just recently been renewed for a historic 21st season on NBC. That's correct. And I think it's for, a, what is it, a weekly primetime series. It is one of the longest running. And I think into the 21st season, it will actually uh, surpass quite a few others and they have itself stand apart as far as the record is concerned. Is that correct? That's correct. I know both the WWE and also the Simpsons, they're always gunning for them as far as, you know, I, I know every record that they surpass or that they approach especially with WWE Raw and then with The Simpsons. Both of those have, have been around for so long now that they're trying to go ahead and any you know plateau or milestone that they get to seems to go ahead and always translate into whatever they did compared to Gunsmoke. So I know Gunsmoke is still the gold standard when it comes to longevity, but with shows like Law & Order SVU and it's now coming soon, 21st season, you're right, Antiques Roadshow, that's been on forever. And then also WWE Raw and The Simpsons. You've got all these shows that are still just, just around for so long and still look like they're not going to stop anytime soon. Moving on to Abby's, it has premiered to very weak ratings in week one. And it's expected that it's going to drop for week two. And, that, and that's a show that, uh, I guess, models itself from a show from the distant past in cheers but you know after watching it i i kind of have a tendency to agree with what you're saying that it's not anything to really uh, you know share a drink over yeah it's not like an outdoor bar outside of your backyard that's not the premise of cheers no no not at all but it's, it's really not connecting with audiences it looks like you know can i ask you a question because this is the time of year we see some replacements in the schedule. This is the time of year we start seeing some shows that are dedicated to being released in the spring and early summer. Uh, there's a few shows like that, but I, you know it's mainly competition shows. But there are also some scripted scripted shows that come out at this point in time. But it seems like a lot of them are not connecting, and some of those shows 
that are coming out are replacing shows that failed in the first place. So your thoughts on why a lot of these shows that are coming out in the spring just really do not connect with audiences. I'm thinking also because it's the time slot too. And the fact that the AP bio, which is like the 830 time slot, should be doing a lot better, but it's not. And it's going into Brooklyn Nine-Nine and it's also hitting into the new show too. So one show definitely makes a huge effect on the rest of the lineup. You're right. It can, that can be the case. And, and you know, if that show does not really hit with audiences, it can affect the entire lineup. And I totally agree with you on that. because It brings everything down and numbers slide accordingly through all the shows that it's connected with. But there's also a lot of going on with Fox with some renewals that happened recently. Some shows that came out to some early fanfare have sustained an audience enough to go ahead and get a new lease on life for another season. Well, yeah, recently we had the renewals of The Resident and 911. And 911 came out to great fanfare, huge ratings, but just has not been able to sustain it, but did get a pass for another year. Well, The Resident has sustained itself pretty nicely, but it was a bubble show that I've considered it because of the new Fox with the Disney merger. I had it as a bubble show. But it still looks like it was uh, something that people have like enough. And Fox has is enough behind to go ahead and renew it for another year. I know before we hit the Friday night comedies that you want to talk about and prove it innocent, there is a show that's still on topic with everybody when it comes to Fox, for better or for worse. And whatever your opinions are on Jesse Smollett, that's your opinion, and we respect that. But with all the controversy that's been going on with Jesse Smollett and his possible return to the show, we'll have to wait and see. What has gone on with Empire itself? Has the show received any kind of boost in the numbers, in the ratings, any kind of interest because of it? I mean, for lack of a better term, I don't want to say morbid type reaction to it, but in cases like these where Jesse Smollett's name has been all over the news, there's a tendency for people to say, oh, you know what? Okay, I'll check that out with Empire or maybe protest in response. Well, the numbers have gone down considerably with Empire, although that makes Star improve its chances on renewal, but it's not helping its case being the most expensive show on broadcast and with Lee Daniels. And because of the controversy, ratings have gone down as a result. And that's a shame for the show overall because it is something that I know has come to be a pillar and a cornerstone of the Fox whole entertainment medium as far as their shows are concerned and the way they structure them out on the Fox network. What's going on as far as the Friday night for Fox? Is this something that that they can go ahead and maybe turn to because of what's going on with Empire? Well, the Friday Night Comedies will probably be moving to Tuesday after after WWE SmackDown goes into the lineup. And I don't think SmackDown is making a case as much as the Friday Night Comedies are. Although, the Cool Kids has dropped considerably, probably because Proven Innocent is on the time slot, and it's still pretty low. Whereas, you got Last Man Standing still in the like 0.9, 1.0 type thing. It's cooled down a little bit, but it's still doing pretty well on a Friday night. Absolutely, because Friday night is usually not a, or it usually doesn't have a tendency to be a 
higher viewing day just because of the fact people are out, people are doing things, you know, starting off their weekend on a on a Friday note, being active. So your numbers have a tendency to be down overall as far as from a viewership standpoint, but it's still good to see something going on as far as the Friday night comedies. And if they're being moved to Tuesday in the wake of WWE moving their SmackDown show to the Fox network, that could be a sign that maybe they'll break out on Tuesday nights. Last man standing, I think we'll have that audience transfer over Tuesday night, whether or not the other comedies in that block will be able to transfer their audience as well and maintain those ratings. We'll have to wait and see. And you mentioned Proven Innocent is a show. Do you think that's actually going to be able to make it out long term? Nope, it's not. Yeah, even a point four is not pretty good for a Friday. No, no. When you're having that much of a share as far as that little of an audience to, to draw from, even on a weaker Friday day, it's still this. That's not good signs for Proven Innocent. It looks like they'll be off the air pretty soon, or at least in the not too distant future. CW, everything has quieted down at least a little bit after the unfortunate death of Luke Perry. We know there's a there's a big time cancellation of a long running show in Arrow. And then also as well, another foundational piece of the CW also is ending after what uh, over what 15 years on the air? 15 seasons. Like the 15th season will be the last one for Supernatural. 15 seasons. That to me actually lasted a little bit longer than I thought it would. So kudos to everybody involved with Supernatural ending after 15 seasons. They're getting a full season as far as it's concerned, correct? Yes. As close to full as you can get, which is 20 episodes, which is what season 14 consisted. Sweet. And so that's CW, at least, like I said, it's a little bit more stable now. But going forward, they're going to have to go ahead and figure out where they're going to be able to find those shows that they can go ahead and send around because Supernatural and Arrow have been there. I think Arrow was at eight seasons, if I'm not mistaken. So they're being canceled, I believe, after eight seasons. And Supernatural will be ending after next year, their 15th season on that. So they're going to have to figure out going forward what they want to do as far as shows are concerned that they want to go ahead and send around because Arrow was a success for many years. Unfortunately, it went downhill in its last two supernatural looks like it's their time has run out as well so you're gonna have to figure out where they can find those shows that sustain any type of success for that period of time but you know what it's a cw their ratings don't have to be as high as the other networks in order to find success so hopefully they'll be able to find something real soon you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Last but not least, we've got everything going on in the world of cable. I know there's a lot of stuff you want to talk about. May I ask you first, though, who in the world is giving a show a 90-episode renewal? MTV. Of course, Viacom. They go crazy on MTV. So tell me a little bit more about what's going on when it comes to a 90-episode renewal of Wild and Out. Well, we recently reported that it's basically part of MTV's ratings resurgence that has been going on for 
a couple years now. And one of the shows that has been the cornerstone of a resurging MTV is Wild and Out. And, and why do you think it's connected so well with audiences that MTV and Viacom have decided to go ahead and just stand behind it with a 90-episode renewal? Because that fascinates me. It's not just with linear audiences, but it's also with the non-linear platforms as well. Like, apparently doing well on YouTube brings in the money. That's true. That's true. Uh, any additional viewing there, plus also, like you've always said, the plus seven, the after initial viewing as far as people watching it on delay, maybe going ahead and, and uh, recording it for to watch it at a different time. But you're right. If they're watching it on YouTube and YouTube as a medium is very strong and can get you a lot of support because of the additional advertising revenue that you can get from it. I think also the MTV resurgence also applied to the challenge. That's a crazy show. I like that one as well. It seems like they've always in the past 20 years or so really had a competition type show that's really connected for one reason or another. It's something that to see as far as the challenge is concerned, doing so well, like you said, because based a lot of it based off of what you see and the additional, the add-on when it comes to re-airing it or bits of it on YouTube. So that makes a lot of sense indeed. Pretty Little Liars, I know, has gotten to the point where it looks like it's going to be spinning off. Well, it did spin off and week two of The Perfectionist has lost over half of its audience. I mean, it premiered to 0.018, again, which was in line with other freeform premieres. But then it got into like famous in love territory and the ratings and dropped to a 0.09 in week two. Oh, that's not good at all. Not, and even for freeform. Remember our old joke when it comes to freeform? That was a place where only people would go and watch Harry Potter films, but USA and sci-fi has that now, so you can't even say that. But when it comes to what's going on with Pretty Little Liars and their spinoff... I don't think there's going to be any good signs for it going forward, to be honest. I'll probably write a column pretty soon around the next couple of weeks as I'm analyzing some of the ratings in there. It's just not good. Like Freeform has, for the most part, pretty much collapsed like into sub-0.2 territory. And that is a lot because cable companies have deprioritized the network into Tier 2 or Tier 3. And this is something I saw coming even before the Disney-Fox merger. I, I don't know. I just did not see them as a network that could really stand out amongst the rest. I know they had uh, shows. I, I know they gave it uh, like a half-hearted ever effort with Cloak and Dagger and and some other series that were trying to make themselves stand out on the network. Do you think Freeform itself should actually sustain itself as a network? I thought that Freeform should have been ended a long time ago as a whole network because I just don't think it can sustain itself or sustain an audience. I think it's just going to continue to be a drain on Disney. And, you know, Disney loves profits. Disney loves money generators. And if they don't get that from Freeform, I don't see it sustaining itself as a viable network anytime in the near future. So and especially now that you got Disney and Fox, the merger that has completed, they're going to focus more on the assets that they do have that can build on a larger audience. And I think one of those will be FX instead of Freeform. Correct. Because FX is making money, apparently. And with Freeform, 
I think they're going to probably go the Viacom route and just deprioritize the network as well as FXX. And both of those are very limited viewing networks. And especially because you've got Disney Plus on the horizon as well. And a new prioritization on Hulu because Hulu is going to be the benefit of getting a lot of this influx, a lot of this Fox content that is not going to be available for Disney Plus because of whatever content that's in this content from Fox. If it's, uh, I guess, more for adult oriented, if it's R rated, if it's more 18 and over oriented, then it's going to go over to Hulu. Like, for instance, Deadpool, all the Deadpool material that's going to go over to Hulu. They're going to get a new influx of shows. So, Hulu is going to be the benefit of this. Disney Plus is coming out with a a whole bunch of fanfare in the not too distant future. And they're going to get a lot of programming, original shows. Marvel's going to be providing some stuff. So networks like FXX and Freeform, I think, like you said, are just going to be deprioritized even more. Exactly. Kind of like with Viacom, when they deprioritized VH1 in CMT and TV Land. As a result, TV Land got rid of all of their scripted comedies. I remember them doing that. And I know a lot of people were very sad in hearing that news because they had some shows there that were, you know, kind of cute. You, know, you had that nostalgic feel. But yes, getting rid of all their scripted shows was kind of a bummer for everybody that watches and follows everything going on at TV land. Okay. Original scripted comedies, though. They still have the shows on syndication. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was talking about their, the, you know, the shows that they actually produce for TV land and whatnot. Obviously, yeah. not the scripted comedies that, you know, in rerun format that they show on there yeah. you know, constantly all throughout Like, the one of their originals, Younger, is going to be premiering season six on Paramount Network sometime over the summer, even though it was supposed to be in spring, which they're filming now. So it's going to, like, if my trajectory is correct, that it's going to air sometime over the summer, whereas Teachers got canceled. Yeah, absolutely. And Heather's did too, I'm, I'm assuming, correct? Let's just say effectively canceled on Paramount Network. Effectively, yes. After so much controversy with that show and the way that got off to the wrong foot, you knew it was going to be downhill ever since. One last question I got to talk to you about, and that comes to a show that after a okay start, not really, it didn't really show much promise as far as long term, but it really got good in the middle of the season. The shows, especially the Vegas episode, was really a strong one for the show. And it actually closed on a pretty good note. I think it's a very strong series overall, especially, like I said, during the, the middle episodes of the series. And that's Deadly Class, which has not been given a yay or nay by sci-fi as of yet. Looking at it from a perspective of numbers, overall, I believe they are the fourth rated show on the network as, as, you know, as of this point in time. And it just concluded its 11-episode season. Your thoughts on the possibility of sci-fi retaining Deadly Class for another season? Because sci-fi ratings are pretty low at this point, I think that it's going to probably be like a middling performer, like the Van Helsing type. But I think it could be renewed for a second season, though, if the money allows it. And it is a little bit more of an expensive show, but... I think it does have promise. I think it has a fan base that actually really wants it to perform well and get another season. You know, I actually started off low 
and actually rose in ratings during the course of the season, which is something you don't see from every show. So it actually showed promise on improving on its audience during the course of the season. So let's hope that sci-fi actually goes ahead and renews Deadly Class. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, but I think with also the power of the Russo brothers and Adventures Endgame, them being executive producers on the show, that may give it just enough to go ahead and renew it for another season and give that another 11-episode run. Because it is only 11 episodes, so maybe that might be in its favor next time around. Is there any more news you want to talk about when it comes to cable out there? Piggybacking on sci-fi, we knew that Night Flyers just got canceled, and then Happy is getting the same similar ratings as Night Flyers did. And that's funny because I still see the promos for Happy at this point in time. Yeah, Happy is the middling performer on a low-rated sci-fi, but currently it's averaging a .11 in the ratings, which could be... It's around the same as Winona Earp, but Van Helsing got renewed with similar ratings as Night Flyers, where everything's low. Everything is low when it comes to sci-fi, but you're right, it's a matter of cost. And if that show has a cost value that's effective enough, it could be retained for another season. Happy apparently dropped like from the premiere. And so far it has dropped like almost 50% in ratings. Previously, it got a 0.21, which probably puts it around the bottom half or close to the middle tier of sci-fi. That is something to think about indeed. So you never know what's going to happen when it comes to sci-fi and their shows like Deadly Class and Happy. One last thing I got to ask you before we head on out, and and that is what are you working on when it comes to the TVRatingsGuide.com? Well, currently I am on the first season, like part A of The Book of Terry. And new scripts are available on Tuesday nights. We also have Marietta on Monday nights, as well as new shows, College, and Finally Together. And let's hope those shows stay highly rated as everybody goes ahead and checks out all the original shows. As well as Thursday nights, Our House, in our originals. Currently, also, we do reviews. I do the Renew Cancel columns primarily for CW and Freeform sci-fi and TNT cable networks, as well as the Paramount network, which will be coming back soon. And I'm also, we may be taking over for Fox, but Fox is in for the Renew Cancel columns. So it's basically like a share type thing for Fox right now, because we don't know at this point because of the merger. Absolutely. A lot of things are up in the air. A lot of jobs are up in the air when it comes to Fox, what Disney's doing. They've already laid off quite a few people, and it looks like they're going to be, as they go ahead and merge Fox into the Disney Consortium, it looks like they're going to make even more changes when it comes to Fox going forward. It'll be very interesting to see, but you got to check out the entire lineup of great shows that they've got today at the TVRatingsGuide.com. That is the TVRatingsGuide.com. Again, a lot of original shows there, a lot of renewed cancel indexes on cable networks, broadcast networks, and so much more. There's also great reviews of shows that are out there that they cover. It's just an awesome experience when you head on over to the TVRatingsGuide.com. 
Jessica, as always, you got some great info that you laid upon us when it comes to the TV ratings world. You got to come back again next month and give us an update of what's going on, especially with some of these spring shows that are going to be debuting soon or that are have debuted. Got to give us an update on all that's going on. Plus what may be announced going forward as far as some pilots and some other great news that are coming up for the fall season, because we should hear a little bit more about what's going on for the fall season come early May. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Jessica, it's always just great having you on the show, but I want to thank you so much. And any last thoughts on the way out? We're still watching on the ratings for all the networks at this point. It's just whether All-American or Roswell, New Mexico make it out alive after upfronts. Always end with a CW note. You got to always end with a CW note right here because I know that network has a special place in her heart. And that is, again, Jessica Boggs. Well, good thing we're not talking about Nashville anymore. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> it is Jessica Boggs once again from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great work that she and the other tremendous staff members are doing at the TVRatingsGuide.com. Jessica, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and a great pleasure to have you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played on radio all over the world, seven days a week. Check out our listings today on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. You also not only get a listing of many different podcast outlets that we're on, but you also get the latest news and information from the realm of pop culture as well. And please, if you get a chance, make sure you follow us on all of our social media to get all the latest and greatest info on us, where our shows are, and what's happening we're Pop Culture Cosmos, once again, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you also want to go ahead and follow us on our YouTube page, Pop Culture Cosmos, to check out all of our several hundred videos as well we've got on that channel. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What's going on with Humanica Media? New topic clips going up tomorrow. And that's really all we got right now. Well, what's it on, man? What's it about? Just you can't just throw out their topic clips and say, "There you go." Got to give them a "What's it about, man?" We're talking about robots and whether or not we fear robots. No, actually, it's a Captain Marvel review that was supposed to go up like three weeks ago. So now it's going up. You can check it out. You're going to hear some rants that you may or may not agree with. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And in the meantime, follow Humanica Media on Facebook and Instagram. And it's also available on many outlets under the Topicocalypse channel. It's also every Tuesday night on the Podcast Radio Network. And don't forget on our Pop Culture Cosmos podcast channel, Got a lot of great extra stuff that we put on there for you, including a Captain Marvel spoiler cast and also our latest Game Source Plus One, where Josh, Tony, and I talk about the latest with Nintendo and the upcoming consoles that they may be adding to its roster real soon. 
Josh, before we head on out, my friend, we also want to mention that on April the 25th, Party Galore, my friend, it's video game tournaments, all for great charity, video game tournaments of Apex Legends, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and Fortnite. If you're interested and in the Las Vegas area, check it out Thursday night, April 25th from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. Right when you hear this, if you want to go and head down to Retro City Games and Henderson to sign up, you're more than welcome to. I talked to Doug at Retro City Games, and he says if you sign up for three tournaments down there, that's $10 each for each tournament, you can go ahead and get 25% off your same-day purchase at Retro City Games. And if you do four tournaments there, you can go ahead and get 30% off any purchase there at Retro City Games. That's right, 25 and 30%, up to 30% off your purchases just by going ahead and signing up for tournaments at Retro City Games. Three for 25%, four for 30 Coming up for a great charity event. We were going to have podcasting. We're going to do some streaming there as well. Topicocalypse is going to be there. Go Brothers Gaming. Mario Party Wars. Game Source is going to be there. And musical performances by Hyperschmidt, Vettius, and a new act that we're getting in there named Serious Damage, who does a lot of great video game covers, just like Vettius. So that's two great video game cover bands and original artist Hyperschmidt that are going to be there. So you got to check it out. Thursday night, April 25th, 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. for a great cause that's going to help out the UMC Children's Hospital, Three Square of Las Vegas, and the Make-A-Wish Foundation for Southern Nevada. So please, you got to help us out Thursday, April 25th, or even just want to send a donation. That'd be just greatly appreciated as well. And then, of course, we're doing our awesome panel at Level Up Expo, 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., where we're talking some great pop culture topics, including Avengers Endgame, Mortal Kombat 11, Days Gone, and more, plus great performances there coming up by Hyper Schmidt and Vettius there as well. Got to check it out, 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. Saturday, April 27th, for ticket information on an awesome pop culture weekend at Level Up Expo. Check it out today, lvlupexpo.com. My friend, before we head on out, got to celebrate 20 years. 20 years in the Matrix, my friend. Yes, you're officially old because The Matrix is 20 years old. Your thoughts on The Matrix and how it's influenced pop culture? Because to me, it helped to find a new age of CGI technology within the framework of what went on with that movie with the bullet time and all that. Early on in the 2000s, a lot of individual movies loved to go ahead and follow suit. But to me, it also brought out a love for a new type of IP that we were not used to seeing that we didn't think we would love so much, but it became such a huge hit in the matrix. Well, it also it's cool because it reinvigorated a storytelling archetype that before then had only really worked in epic films, the sword and sandal flicks, like the whole, the hero's journey. You know, you have your Jesus Christ esque character who dies and is reborn again and he saves the day brings balance to the force or the universe or whatever you want to call it like we had not seen that kind of character done in a long time at least not in the sci-fi genre i mean i guess you can kind of say that about luke skywalker a little bit but it's not the same thing and the the matrix is really also the first mainstream film that really explored these deep philosophical concepts of like what is consciousness what is life do we only want to see the world through a lens that is pleasing to us. It, it, they ask a lot of very 
very interesting questions. And I think after what the Wachowskis did, what followed in suit was a lot of films that started exploring ideas like that. And it really popularized intellectual properties. So on that note, I think that The Matrix has really had a very long lasting and positive effect on the film industry, at least back in its heyday. It did today. It's not I mean, you can't really argue that that much. But yeah, what do you think about it? I'll tell you what, the movie itself is really, really good. I really enjoyed it, and I was still, to this day, I will rewatch it and rewatch it again. Sequels aside, that we'll touch on in a second, but the movie itself, The Matrix, really revolutionized what went on for pop culture and reinvigorated, I guess, the sci-fi genre to an extent because the prequel movies for Star Wars had actually just brought down sci-fi as a whole and it was really not something that a lot of people were, or as much, many people were interested in after the failures of the prequel movies. And it looked like, to me, it feels like a movie that was for this century as opposed to being something at the tail end of that century, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so what, what you're saying is it holds up. It, it does hold up indeed. And it just it's something that I think a lot of people should go out of the way to see if they haven't seen already because it tells a great narrative within the context of man versus machine and all that. Unfortunately, though, the Wachowskis could not make up for it in the following two movies. They made money off them. Yeah, but let me ask you this. How disappointed were you after the next two installments? Are you as down on them as seemingly everyone else is? And what kind of effect do you think it overall it has on the matrix as a whole because the matrix trilogy is not really called the trilogy that much anymore it's really just called the matrix and yeah by the way it had two other things but we really don't want to talk about that it's just the matrix to us i remember the um animatrix right it had some stuff by the cowboy bebop creator yeah yeah and that part was good uh, but uh, you know obviously that's a small part of it but yeah the matrix revolutions and reloaded was the second one yeah yeah i mean it, I, I didn't hate them they were visually pleasing. They're fun to watch. I don't think that the Wachowskis knew they were going to make a trilogy at first. I think it's just they wrote the success of The Matrix, made them sit down and be like, all right, well, where are we going to go with this? Because the beginning of the thought was so profound in what The Matrix could have been and where it could have led. And then they just kind of turned Neo into this completely OP character. And by the time Revolutions rolled around, he wasn't really even fun to watch anymore. And that's the shame of it all. And also, my friend, I got to ask you this on a final note when it comes to the Matrix, the ending, man. People still to this day, there are individuals out there that are still scratching their heads on trying to find some philosophical reasoning behind the whole story and narrative of the back two Matrix movies, trying to piece together the Matrix trilogy as a whole. And they're trying to make sense out of it. After I watched the last one, I just was going like a lot of other people, huh? Neo's in the room with the guy with the old guy with the, in the TV room with all the TVs behind him. What on these? The guy's trying to extrapolate and and tell you exactly what's going on and why this is all happening. What on you? It's just left a lot of people dumbfounded, and I think it left a lot of people confused and asking why did they go ahead and waste their time in watching this trilogy as a whole. Well, it's like that that fan theory that. Remember in Men in Black when they showed the, inside the locker, the whole the universe is inside the locker? Is our universe inside of a locker? You know, it's, it opened a lot of doors to a lot of thought, but I don't think that it was a complete thought. It was, uh, you know, the whole idea, are, are any of us really in control? What is, 
God, who is God, what is God, stuff like that. They're trying to dive into thoughts like that, and they were trying to really leave you with something to chew on, but I don't think they knew what they wanted you to chew on. Like you said earlier, I think it's a case of where they did a movie, they weren't expecting to make a trilogy out of it, and then the movie company goes back, oh, this is a major hit, you got to go ahead and make two more. And they said, well, maybe we can stretch it out to two. And the the movie company goes, yay, great, that's fine. And I'll leave you with this, my friend. I think overall the Matrix legacy is hurt by the fact that the last two movies weren't really that great and didn't help enhance the whole Matrix experience. If I were to say to somebody today watching it, should I watch the Matrix? I think they should watch the Matrix and the Matrix only because if they watch the other two, I think that only hurts the viewing experience of the original even more. I agree. I feel like the I would say if you're interested in watching the Matrix, watch the first one and then go into the other two not really looking for a complete story as much as just another gateway to walk into that universe much in the same vein that fantastic beasts exist in the harry potter world i do like the highway scene and reloaded though i give them props for that the house scene was pretty cool too when you first get introduced to the twins yeah that's true that's true i just unfortunately that was the only real highlights and the 15,000 Mr. Smiths and revolutions and all that. It's just, it didn't connect with me. And even though Mr. Smith was a character with a lot of charisma, I should say, even though he was trying to not exude any charisma, but he ended up exuding charisma, in my opinion, just seemed to me that his character was not fleshed out to the point where I think it needed to be to be able to carry it as a bad guy over the course of the trilogy and the battle, I think Neo also gets hurt as well because Neo takes a backseat when it comes to his presence in the movie in number two and three because it tries to cycle into the world of what's going on there. And in doing so, it takes away from what actually made the Matrix so special by doing so. When they tried to go ahead and, and delve more into the city life of the humans still left in that world. And, and to me, it just kind of brought things down a bit. Do you think the same as well? They fully developed his character in the first one, and by the time this, the other two rolled around, all he really ended up being was a vehicle for the narrative to move forward. I agree. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to say it right there. Yeah, The Matrix, if you're out there and you have not seen any of The Matrix trilogy, I highly, highly recommend, especially in the 20th anniversary, you revisiting The Matrix. As far as the other two, you know what? I think it's a great time to watch a superhero movie instead. But happy 20th birthday to The Matrix. There's been always been talk off and on about revisiting the world of The Matrix. If they do, they must do it better than they did in Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. What are your thoughts out there on The Matrix as it hits 20 years old? Is this something that's very special to you within the realm of pop culture? And do you recommend it to friends? And what are your thoughts as a whole in regards to The Matrix trilogy? Were you able to make out the, all the underlying themes and what went on as far as the narrative in the Matrix trilogy as a whole? Or are you like a lot of other people that after the Matrix trilogy, you just did a collective? Huh? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, it's been a great show. want to thank Jessica Box from tvratingsguide.com for sharing some time and sharing some thoughts on what's going on in the world of TV. And on the way out, we want to make sure to let you know for the Friday show, we're going to be covering WrestleMania Shazam. 
and we got a request to share our thoughts on Babylon 5. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? No, I think we covered everything. I'm just glad my voice kind of made it out all the way through. And now you got to rest those vocal cords, man. Tell me about it. Stop yelling at your kids. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's until soccer practice when they patience. Well, I'm just telling them to hustle, 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 hustle. Pass, pass, pass. Passing, spacing out, and get that ball upfield. That's all I'm asking. How many goals do they have to score before you let them eat dinner? Oh my gosh. Just, I'm not that cold. I'm not that cold. I'm just kidding. That would have me on the front page of CNN at some time real soon. No, 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 no. These are great kids and I just wish them a great season. It's just so proud to be their coach and hopefully I can keep my voice around and so I can keep on coaching them for many more games to come. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. Soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films. Whatever you're in the mood for, if you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find CasterQuest on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos, and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.